All right, hello everyone. This is Jeffrey. Uh, in the last few episodes, we went over what feature problem solving or FPS is, as well as my personal favorite component, scenario writing. So I highly encourage you to give the program a chance and check out and listen to those episodes. Now, in this episode, we are interviewing another veteran of scenario writing from Massachusetts who took home the first place trophy at the international competition this year, Pranav Adonki. Hello, Pranav. Can you please introduce yourself and your background in FPS? Hi, my name is Pranava Dunkey, and I live in Canton, Massachusetts, near Boston. I like to read and play sports in my free time, like soccer and basketball, and I'm an avid reader, and I developed my love of writing from reading all kinds of genres from my favorite authors. My favorite genre is sports fiction, and I write short stories about them at an annual contest called Canton Writes at my town library. Recently, I also started reading some science fiction and dystopian novels like the Maze Runner series. I then decided to compete in scenario writing. I was already doing community problem solving and feature problem solving at that time. In fourth grade, my first year in scenario writing, I decided to write a story that combined my love of sports and futuristic novels. It was an amazing experience and the story sent me to internationals after winning states and I've competed ever since. That sounds great. I love the first Maze Runner book, but I have not read the other ones. But okay, so Pranav, so you are the international scenario writing champion for the junior division this year. So please give us a summary of yeah. your winning story and read an excerpt of your favorite part. Okay. So the basic summary of my story is Japan is ravaged by earthquakes in 2061 and its nervous leaders seek the help of an old fashioned double noble laureate professor named Hans Yoshida to identify what went wrong with their cutting edge drone technologies by using time tested techniques and provide recourse to save the nation while Hans sacrifices himself. An excerpt from my story is the professor hurried towards an old Richter scale, which was roaring with a whirring noise as the pen scribbled zigzag patterns of waves. He stared at the drawings in disbelief, exclaiming, It will reach 12.8. With trembling hands, he quickly put the Ocean Drone 9 in another machine and turned the dial, which would indicate the intensity of the volcanic tremors. Drones emitted signals, and the LED indicator displayed 5, 6, 7, but did not display anything beyond 9. He started to make calculations, studying the seismograph and nodding to himself. That's great. Um, can you explain to the listeners what is an Ocean Drone 9 that you referred to in your story? So basically the Ocean Drone 9, it's really just like a drone that has tons of different capabilities. Like not just a drone that we use in like our time today. So what it can do is so many different things. It's created by the Pro Drone Tech Center, and it helps um it helps defend the Earth against multinational disasters like not like earthquakes, tsunamis, fires, and mm -hmm. other um natural disasters. Because in 2061, since the Earth is not as healthy, I guess as it is in the present, the natural disasters have increased greatly. In fact, in my story, the leaders of Japan are having a cabinet meeting that discusses how the number of earthquakes has far surpassed what they have seen in the previous decades and years. So they tried to use the Ocean Drone 9 to prevent the earthquakes. They can like reproduce into multi multiple drones that have technology that can send video and have instant analysis of whatever the earthquakes or tsunamis 
are having. I see. And I really liked your uh, the excerpt that you read because, it, you know, it kind of brought us into the action. It showed us how dire the situation was. But for you, why did you choose to read that excerpt? So this so this is a favorite part of mine because it's where the professor is first introducing the story. It says the professor hurried towards an old Richter scale. At that point in time in 2061, the Richter scale is not is not being used as they are using many different technologies that have far surpassed what we use today. And he thinks that the technology that they're using in 2061 isn't reliable enough. So he uses the stuff that the equipment that he used to use while he was at the peak of his career. Mm, got it. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. <laughs> so every year, the competitors are given five topics to choose from to write their stories. So your topic is drones, right? Yeah. So why and how did you choose the topic drones? So drones I chose because based on the other topics, it seemed really interesting to me. It kind of popped off the page. Drones are like something that are being used daily in everyday life in like right now in 2019. All kinds of people use it. Kids, adults, governments use it, companies use it. Kids can just use it to play around. And mm. I think that that's a really cool piece of technology. And since they have multiple uses, they can be a major cornerstone for our advancing technology. So I believe that the topic of drones would be a very gripping read for um, readers because they would be reading about something that isn't totally futuristic because drones are available right now. And although they in the future have many more updates and are super advanced, they can feel like how they as a reader can be connected to the story. Yeah, that's very cool. So what was the process of you writing your story? And what's more important to you, the plot of the story or the characters in the story? Well, to be honest, character development is something that I really like because when I read books, I love seeing characters develop from the beginning of the page to what they end up as at the last word. Characters in most books often develop from a simple character to a complex character with many different things going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. So I love character development. Um, and I also like the plot because they, because the plot can like grip a reader and it can hook them from the moment the story starts, the title to the last page. And that's also something that advances because at, at the start of the story, the plot has not developed yet and the reader can just feel the plot developing as they see all our characters developing and the plot moving on. So I think I don't really have a favorite. They both are um, something that go together. Nice. That's a very interesting take on it. So uh, could you answer what was the process of writing your story, though? So I began researching the background knowledge about all three topics and I chose drones. So I wrote some practice stories and threw out a bunch of ideas in different storylines to see which one I liked best. So when I found one that I really liked, I continued on writing. I tried to develop the characters and the plot and introduced um, good vocabulary so that the reader can be hooked 
and I tried to incorporate as much Japanese culture as possible because my story takes place in Japan, and it's basically a last stand for Japan as it's under the threat of going underwater. Revising is probably the longest stage of my writing process, and I have to um, revise all the errors that go into a draft. My drafts usually contain plot holes, unfinished subplots, and more. So once I finish up those revise, those re- revisations, I move on to the last stage, which is editing. This is probably my least favorite part, to be honest, because mm. it doesn't involve any writing. I just clean up my writing mechanics and fix grammatical and spell- spelling errors. Once that is done, I share my story with my friends and my family who give me their feedback. Based on that, I make some more changes. And that's usually my final story, but I hope to finish a little before the deadline. So if I have any changes that come to me after a couple of days, I have time to add them. So that's basically my writing process. Yeah, that's a very, very solid writing process. Um, so that, that's also something that really interests me. It's because you set your story in Japan. Um, and that's something what I think a lot of authors would sort of stay away from, I guess, because they would write about stuff that's more familiar to them. So, for example, I thought that maybe you would be writing about somewhere in America or like Massachusetts or something, but you decided to write in Japan. So why is that? So I decided that because in Massachusetts, it doesn't have a lot of earthquakes or tsunamis or anything. In the U.S., natural disasters, well, in some parts of the U.S., natural disasters occur a lot. But in Japan, there's um, volcanoes and tsunamis and earthquakes that occur a lot and also i'm very interested in japan because i've read a couple stories about um natural disasters happening in japan and the evacuations and all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and so i really wanted to incorporate japan into that because it seemed like a really cool place for my plot to take place it is a very cool place so okay so through your experiences of writing, what's the favorite tip that you've gotten that has helped you hone your story writing skills? Well, all my teachers have always told me to use eye-catching words and to hook the reader from the start so that they can keep reading. Since I read a lot of books, I have a pretty good vocabulary, and one thing that you should definitely include in the story is good vocab. Without it, stories can turn dull and boring. My goal as a writer is to intrigue re- readers from the title to the last word. That's why I try to incorporate more gripping words instead of the regular said or yelled and ran. Instead, you can say ear-splitting shriek and darted, or she heard her feet pounding on the gritty pavement as she raced forward. With good vocab, you can make a story way more interesting. Yeah. Okay, so has researching the topic drones and writing the story make you feel something different about the topic of drones than when you started? Of course. So when I first started researching drones and their purposes and background, I thought that they were all good and just cool toys that kids could use and could be used for technological advancements. But then I found out that they were used in wars like in Iraq and Afghanistan as weapons. I also discovered that they were used by many terrorists and drones only gained popularity after the 9-11 attacks. Mm, Although okay. most kids who have drones just use them to play around, some and some tour companies can use them to conduct like scenic or aerial videos, they can have um, terrorist meanings as well. Mm, so they have very destructive capabilities. Yeah. 
Okay, and I'm just gonna throw in a quick but fun question here. What what for you is the most difficult part of writing? For me, the most difficult part of writing is coming up with my plot. So basically, I'm not much of a planner, and when I write a story, I usually just throw a bunch of storylines off the wall and try to see which one fits best. So I don't usually like use like a graphic organizer to organize my thoughts and ideas. And so like starting and coming up with ideas is probably the hardest part of writing for me. Got it. And so last but not least, what is your favorite FPS moment? My favorite FPS moment. Wow. So that's a tough question. I, to be honest, don't have a defining moment that I love about FPS. Year round, it's amazing. Although some of my favorite moments are definitely to start writing my scenario writing story. And since I also compete in CMPS and FPS, it's awesome when we get to go to the state competition for CMPS and FPS as well, because I do individual FPS. And in the international conference, it's for sure the talent show. My CMPS team has competed in it for the past two years. We made it to the international conference. It's really funny to see our dance and really fun to just practice it. All right. Um, and with CMPS, you're talking about, just for the listeners who might not know, you're talking about community problem solving. And yeah. in FPS, you're talking about global issues problem solving, right? Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, what you did for uh, community problem solving this year? Sure. So my, com- my community problem solving project was helping special needs students become more involved in our community with different programs, activities, and games. It was called Project um, SNAP, Special Needs Assistance Program. So we went to a couple different special needs schools, like the Judge Rottenberg Center, our local um, public schools, the Galvin Middle School and the Hanson Elementary School, and a physical disability school called the Papa's Rehabilitation Center, and uh, um, and a school called Clark School for Hearing Impaired Children, which had kids about five to seven who had hearing disabilities and used cochlear implants to hear better. We played games and did activities such as sports, arts and crafts. And at the Papa's Rehabilitation Center, we did all kinds of stuff that the students did in their daily lives there. It's mostly like a boarding school for students because they stay there and um, they sleep in like dorms sort of. And so we hosted like a radio show with the students. We also went horseback riding. We rode bicycles and we did tons of different stuff like playing video games and arts and crafts as well. It's cool. And I remember stopping uh, by at your station for Project Snap at Internationals. And I remember seeing something that very, very, very impressed me. And it was, if I remember correctly, you had um, some sort of AI set up so that you can tell if like someone was um, was unhappy. Was that is that true? Yeah. So basically, we used a Raspberry Pi and 3D printed a case for it. And the Raspberry Pi has a Raspberry Pi camera that can use facial expressions and detection to sense a student's mood. Since special needs students sometimes have emotional outbursts and unexpected um, tantrums of sorts, they can, the teachers need to be prepared for any situation. So the device can 
so the device will be able to sense the moods and if they're happy then it'll send a notification to the teacher and if they're mad they'll send a notification to the seat to the teacher by using a joy detector and the teacher can adjust their teaching methods based on that yeah that sounds awesome so uh that's all the questions i have for you pranav thank you so much for your time i'm so sorry that we got a little off topic but I know you have a super, super bright future, and I expect when you've uh, written your first book to have a signed copy of your book at my doorstep. <laughs> no problem. All right. Thank you. Thank you.